0: And welcome to my series of conversations with stalwarts of music. Today's episode is being partnered by Perpetual Buzz Experiences. It's an artist representation company with three very basic but lofty goals. They are the artist launchpad for indie musicians, helping them leverage success in the best possible way. And they make sure that the experience is as smooth as it gets be sure to check them out on www.perpetualbuzz.com. We have yet another podcast partner, which is WireUp Music Store, one of the finest music retail stores with state-of-art equipment, ranging from musical equipment, such as guitars to ukulele, percussive instruments to classical instruments. Do check out their Instagram page, which goes by the handle at the rate wireup.india. And if you happen to be in Bengaluru, Hop into their store in Kormangla. Speaking of my distinguished guest for today, he's a founding member of the chart-topping contemporary jazz group called Faux Play. Nathan East was 16 years old when he got his first big break and found himself on the road with Barry White. The next time the phone rang, it was Quincy Jones on the line. The calls kept coming and and it was For the past uh, 40 years or so, East has been churning out hit songs with legends such as George Harrison, Michael Jackson, Phil Collins, Whitney Houston, Beyonce, Barbara Streisand, Daft Punk. I could keep dropping these names for almost one hour. Above all, he's one of my major inspirations to take up guitar in the first place and my major inspiration for music. I'm delighted to welcome the master of the bass, Nathan East.
1: Okay. Good morning.
0: Good morning, Nathan. <laughs> Namaste. How are you?
1: Namaste. Good, thanks. I'm Sorry, I, I can't get my internet on the computer, so I'm on the
0: iPhone. <laughs> that, that's all right. That's all right. You sound great, and uh, the, the landscape around you looks great, too.
1: Oh, good. Okay,
0: where are you right. at? Which which part of the world are you in right now?
1: Yes, I, I'm actually in the in Nevada at the moment.
0: Oh wow! So you, you're touring. You're, what are you there and, for?
1: And then we're about to start. Uh, we're about to start a tour mm-hmm. with um with the with the Eric Clapton band. Uh huh. Wow. But uh, before before I go, I was invited to uh, to celebrate the birthday of Shania Twain today. So oh. we're here.
0: Incredible! Yes, yes. Yeah, so I believe she did a concert last night.
1: She did, yes. Wonderful. And
0: convey so my we, regards we and, and my, my best wishes to her, wishing her a very absolutely. happy
1: birthday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely will sir. She did a, a a beautiful concert and um, and uh, really really good good person.
0: Lovely, lovely. Great. So let's get started with our agenda for today. I have a couple of interesting questions coming your way.
1: Okay, great.
0: So your roots as a musician have been in UCSD. I'm sure it was a very enriching environment. Uh, you've, you've been mentored under the great Bert Toretsky and Cecil. They've been uh, two great mentors who have uh, you know, helped you nourish your uh, musicianship. What, what has been your inheritance from these great set of teachers in terms of the spirit of music that they embodied?
1: Well, you know, in, in life, if you're fortunate enough to to get really good teachers, it can it can really determine um, the direction and whether you are able to, you know, thrive in that in that particular area. And these two, uh, Cecil Lytle and and Bert Teresky, uh, you know, almost fifty years ago at UC San Diego, um, I was just fortunate enough to to uh, be under there. The professorship and and friendship, and they've become you know mentors, friends, and 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 musical colleagues that uh, that really helped me you know at an early age when I was developing you know they just uh, were giving me really good musical and and life uh, wisdom.
0: Lovely. I know this is a, this is quite an unfair question, but what are some of the qualities that you have imbibed? And what are some of the aspects that you fail to acquire from your mentors?
1: Well, the the good thing is is when you're able to recognize that these people have, it's like a parent, you know, when your parents are giving you advice, sometimes we don't listen because it's our parents, but they are giving us the best advice that they can. They would never steer us wrong, you know, so it's the same with mentors and instructors and and i feel like i was i was really just able to appreciate the fact that they were they were at the top of their game and uh i was fortunate enough to be a beneficiary of what they of what they knew in their lives wonderful and Yo, you, you know most of most of the stuff i did i did listen to and and uh adhere to you know i i really appreciated what the value and what they were saying
0: but I'm sure the environment that you grew up in, your entire family was musically inclined, your brothers were into music. I'm sure that environment also played quite a vital role in sort of uh, developing this skill set for you in a lot of ways.
1: yeah, absolutely it's it's um it's it's everything, you know it's it's what's going on around you culturally, spiritually and um and I do again appreciate the environment that I grew up in. It's I had really good, um, strong parents, and my family situation was there was never a dull moment. You know, with seven children in the house, and 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 my mom and dad were very supportive of of all of our endeavors. And uh, I think that's one of the most important things. You know, to to have to nourish a, a fruitful and 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 uh, you know, s- successful path.
0: Must have been quite lively growing up with that many people in a family, right?
1: Absolutely. There was, there was never a dull moment in the house.
0: <laughs> when I listen to your music, I get this tremendous sense of flow, that of being uplifted and experiencing sure bliss as a common strand in terms of quality of the ethereal, if I were to describe it is that reflective of the personality that you are normally apart from the musical bit?
1: I would say pretty much any musician, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get their spirit. And um, to me, that flow comes from, again, you know, I remember back in, back in the day you would hear the music blasting throughout the neighborhood. You know, People would, sort of take their music pretty seriously and everybody had some kind of stereo system that you could turn up and you could hear um, you know, the sounds of Motown and and uh Gladys Knight and Earth Wind and Fire and Marvin Gaye and all these, you know, great, great musicians that this was coming in, you know, from the Beatles to to all of those people, you know, we had music was just kind of filling the air of the neighborhood. So I feel like that was Uh, Kind of part of the spirit that I carry with me to this day.
0: Uh, In terms of uh, creating music, let's let's get into that topic. So, do you keep an audience in mind while creating this music? If if you had to express your intuitions or feelings in your brain, there is this process of catharsis in terms of giving it a certain form and shape. Do you also keep in mind? as to how the audience would receive or interpret it while putting out your music. What is your approach towards that? I think that's a
1: consideration. But the, the first thing is just internally, if you have um, something that you want to convey, I think you're the first person that you have to get to believe it you know, and, and understand it and then if the audience comes with you that's just a bonus but we never know or i don't think we can ever really predict exactly how someone is going to receive it but um our our mission is to put it out and let it let it do what it's going to do you know
0: so if i, I had so to summarize times... yeah please uh-huh. please go on please go on
1: i was just going to say there's so many times that i was recording something in the studio that i thought um you know oh when everybody hears this it's going to be you know it's going to reach a lot of people and then it was the opposite and then there's some things that i thought oh this isn't you know this wasn't really uh anything very special and then all of a sudden everything everybody just gravitated to it so it connects so i it's always to me a mystery of how um what what connects people to a certain um certain uh sounds or notes
0: Right. So if I had to summarize it, it would be, uh, you know, a process of putting it outward and then there's completion. That's that's how you approach this entire thing. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. Got it. So let's, let's talk about life in general. I'm sure you want to reach a certain sense of inner perfection. One may want to attend, attain uh, some sort of enlightenment. For someone like you, is perfection the goal or is it always... The boundaries that you'd like to keep extending which is which is more important for you
1: well but perfection i learned a long time ago not to necessarily shoot for perfection because um you know god is the only perfect (laughs) perfect thing you know that, that i think we can kind of aim in a direction of a very high standard and uh mostly I think when we're making music we we let the heart sort of sing and uh dictate and and not go for just strict perfection or virtuosity you know and, and i um sometimes when I hear perfection and virtuosity you know I'm not too moved it's it's impressive and you can say oh this person practiced a lot and learned these scales and now play perfectly but it doesn't it doesn't move me you know it doesn't Really touch my heart, but then, you know, when when an artist can play one note and you can feel something,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to me, that's that's a little more. Uh, it, it penetrates the spirit a little more.
0: Got it. As we discussed earlier, you've uh, learned under several great mentors, and I'm sure each person, in a lot of senses, has a very distinct style in terms of uh, singing. Uh, it, it's this quality of very intense emotion, feeling, caressing the words that in some senses distinguishes a musician or the musician within you, right? How did you go about developing this quality? Is it something that you consciously do as a technique or is it is it just the sum total of several years of practice and learning?
1: Yeah, yeah I think it ends up being the uh, the total of of what you've become, the, the lifestyle that you've lived, and, and the experiences that you've experienced. And after a while, that becomes sort of built into the, the recipe of, of, of who you become.
0: Got it. Uh, I, I'm also very keen in uh, understanding your songwriting process. So how does the process happen? Is it, is it a flash of inspiration, or is it in the form of words? or an image that pops at the top of your head? Where does it begin? And what are the sort of recesses of the mind that help trigger this process for someone like you?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting question that still to me remains a mystery because I've been driving driving down the street and an entire song will come to me. And uh, I remember back in the day, I would, uh, before iPhones and everything, I would call my uh, answer phone at home, and leave a song idea on it you know but sometimes you hear something and it triggers a melody or a set of chord changes uh i i rarely am able to just sit down okay i'm gonna write a song right now you know it's it's always kind of triggered by some some inspirational idea or um someone was crying and, and you try to figure out oh what's going on and then you know you know something comes some notes come out or completely random you're sleeping and all of a sudden what's this melody that's in my head you know let me let me wake up and write it down or or, or record it
0: right uh so in terms of being a musician uh, let's let's slightly move towards performance now uh, you're a musician who does extensive amount of touring with so many greats and very often there is this notion in terms of Uh, a potential risk for musicians who performed the same set list or the same set of songs over and over again, they kind of begin to do it mindlessly because they have this formula as to what works and what doesn't. And sometimes one may may not bring their own creative self in or during a performance. Does that happen to you?
1: You know, I I don't let Uh, I don't let the fact that I'm doing something every day or every night influence um, how much energy that I put into it. I mean, it's never it's never a phone it in and just get through the notes for me. um, And whether it's one soul or or 20,000 in the audience listening, I'm always feeling like this time is my only opportunity that I have to express what's going to be expressed in touch of heart, you know, potentially. So I can't just phone it in, you know. You have to completely act like this is the first or the last time that I'm going to be playing this song. And I I keep that with me uh, every single performance.
0: Novelist, You know, uh, (laughs) it kind of of takes me back to uh, my childhood, my first, probably my first or the second uh, childhood memory. Uh, So Harry Belafonte and uh, you and uh, Sir Eric Clapton have been uh, some of my major inspirations. Till this very date, you know, I I go back to the first performance that I ever saw as a video. It was that of you and Sir Eric Clapton performing at the Royal Albert Hall. So you did like a very, very cool version of Knocking on Heaven's Door, like a reggae, uh, with a reggae twist to it. Wow. (laughs) So that, that, that particular song sort of Inspired me to pick up the guitar as as an instrument, and uh, yeah, thanks to you, thanks to you for uh, for that wonderful performance well, that you put forth.
1: Well, well, thank you very much for including me in in such good company. You know, Harry Belafonte and uh, Eric Clapton were were very big influences as well on uh, me as a young musician, and and um, it's it's always to me still just a joy to to be able to it's coming up uh, like 40 years that i've been working with with eric and uh to this day you know and every night is is still very special um and not only a musician uh from a musical standpoint but just from the brotherhood
0: yeah uh in- interestingly that performance also had uh, phil collins and it also had greg uh greg right. yeah you guys were were, were like throwing out some wonderful harmonies uh, along with these guys. And it just (laughs) sounded so magical, you know, it it was, it was completely mesmerizing. (laughs) This is like, this is more of a fanboy moment right now for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's, 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 again, this is what I mean when I say you never know who's listening or whose heart you're touching, you know, and what kind of influence. Um, And for me, the, the most amazing thing is this is, This is what I get to do and it's so much fun, if you can imagine how much fun it is to stand on the stage with Greg and Phil Collins and and Eric Clapton and and just, you know, do a version of a great song like Knock on Heaven's Door and and just having fun with the the overall spirit of it. It's, um, you know, that's a great memory for me as well.
0: Interestingly, we have a lot of fans on the Instagram live stream we well, are very curious to know the sequence of events uh, when uh, Sir Eric Clapton first approached you. Could, you. could you elaborate on that? What was it like the first time he ever called you or he in ever invited you for a, for a musical uh, collaboration?
1: Well, first of all, I think we were destined to meet because I was introduced to Eric uh, by Phil Collins when I was in uh, London working on the... Uh, Philip Bailey, Chinese Wall
0: Easy lover. Album.
1: Easy Lover. Yeah. And, yes, exactly. And, and so we, uh, we went out to Guildford, which is where, you know, it's about an hour outside of London where I think the, close to where Eric lived and, and Phil Collins lived. And I just remember we went to a pub and, and Phil introduced me to Eric there. And so we said hello. Um, but then not too long after that, I was playing Live Aid. And uh, with Ken Loggins in Philadelphia, and I came off the stage, and there's Eric there Clapton, clapping, and he said, "Oh, sounds great. You want to hang out, you know?" And so that was great fun. And then Phil introduced me. We ran into him again um, in in the studio in in England. So for his the first time I worked with him was for the Behind the Behind the Sun mm-hmm. album and Forever Man, and lots of those yeah. great songs. Um, Jeff Porcaro was on drums, and it was you know. It was the kind of the l a uh, finest Steve luther, great fillinging games Michael O'Martin, you know so <laughs> and so we all came together and um we we were all mutually excited to meet each other, you know and and uh so that was that was the first time he called, and then I remember getting called to to work on the recording of uh, for August, which was produced by Phil Collins mm-hmm. and uh, as soon as. As soon as we would finish the takes in the studio, it was Greg filling Gaines again, Phil Collins on drums. Um, and as soon as we would finish the takes, you know, uh, you know, Greg would throw his headphones up and everybody was, you know, like it was really an exciting energy in the studio. And so uh Eric's manager was in uh and next thing you know, he saw kind of the chemistry with the band. And then he came in the room and said, How about these six days? And I remember it was the Montreux Jazz Festival. Um Oslo in Norway, Copenhagen, um, and about a half a dozen dates around um, Stockholm, around Europe, um, and so we did those dates. It was uh, included the Royal Albert Hall, and we had such a good time. And that was um, that was kind of the beginning of of a very long friendship and and uh, touring around the
0: world. Incredible. If I may ask, do you have uh, do you have a music project that's coming up with with Sir uh, Eric Clapton? Do you have anything in the making right now?
1: Right now, the, we're in the studio and uh, recording some new material, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because in today's time, you know, still make an album, but I think a lot of artists are now putting out uh, little singles. So the latest, the latest single that uh, was released is called "Pompous Fool," mm-hmm. and there's been two uh, sort of lyric video out uh, but we're in the studio uh, recording a collection of songs for an album uh, that will be yeah
0: i also liked your uh unplugged uh music videos that you released during the pandemic with uh, uh steve gad you, you did like a very very different setup like a stripped down version of all the all the classic songs uh in an unplugged format which was which was quite interesting uh, very recent, but yeah, I, I loved it.
1: Oh, thank you. That was that was very special as well because um, everyone was on lockdown. So this was an this was sort of an example of how do you, if if you're on lockdown, what kind of way can you get around that so that you can actually work together? You know, so they created a bubble out in the countryside. We had to quarantine. I remember going there for about 10 days and nobody was there just to quarantine and, and uh, took it very seriously in terms of, of of not trying to infect anybody, but still be able to uh, to play our music and do what we have been doing so long. It, you you wouldn't ever want to lose the opportunity to to be in the same room together and and make music and respond to each other. You know, that's, that's just something that, um, is is very special for us, very true. and and Eric worked out a way around sort of the the technicalities of you can't be in a room with people, you know. So <laughs> it's a <laughs> big huge room, yeah. uh, you know, and and took every single precaution that you could take uh, to try to make it to try to make music under uh, the circumstance of being on lockdown.
0: Lovely. I'm going to take you a step back right now let me let me take take you back to uh, Nathan at the age of sixteen, where you played with the great Barry White uh, I'd like to know how important yeah. is it for young musicians to apprentice with an elder. Is it possible with today's remote learning and musical consumption? The same kind of approach
1: yeah i think uh, I think it is you know there's there's so many. Um, great videos now on, on YouTube alone where you can just you you can just go down that go down that path and, and spend a day just studying all the great musicians I mean there's some just so much uh, it's packed with information um, and you know regardless of what instrument you play or what kind of music everything from Oscar Peterson to Jimi Hendrix Wes Montgomery and old and new and black and white and uh, you know Ray Charles and, and so sometimes uh, time permitting I love to just search for you know some great great music and and there's really a lot there that um, I think is available to us that that wasn't even closely available to us back in the day.
0: But don't you think the process of transmission is essential uh, from that, that of a teacher to a student? Isn't that like very <laughs> vital
1: absolutely i mean it's it's as important as say if you're taking a tennis lesson and the teacher can see okay your grip is just you have to change it just this much you know and uh it's the same thing with with the teacher i mean i i used to teach and don't have as much time these days but through through artistworks.com i'm able to do video exchange lessons and have a curriculum there and with that, I'm able to look at the students and say, um, OK, try to put your hand, you know, your thumb behind the neck. And, and, you know, I think that interaction with the teacher is very important. Just in, and again, there's little, uh, little tips that, that can help save years of saying, doing something um, sort of the wrong way or, or just trying to point the student in the right direction.
0: People like listening to certain kind of music when they feel a certain emotion. Uh, based off of that, we assume that music tends to express a particular mood. Right? So in your opinion, which musical form expresses the emotion you want to express in terms of your music the best way?
1: You know, there, there's so many. Um, first of all, there's so many emotions to express. Yeah. And, there's so many ways of doing it. So I mean, I love I love playing a ballad where you can every note just gets to be gets the full length, and um, and you could put you know you have time to put a lot of heart and soul. But then a nice dance song or something that's lively uh, again is a way to you know for the listener to to kind of get into it, move their body, and move their spirit. You know, so. Uh, again, I feel very fortunate to have been involved in so many different types of music, um, whether and whether it's rock and roll or R and B, um, soul, funk, jazz. Um, I feel like it's been uh, it's been a blessing to to have so many frames of references. And and when I grew up, you know, I was listening to everything. You know, so you'd, you'd have radio stations where they play Miles Davis and then they play Earth Wind and Fire. You know, and then, Jimi Hendrix, Santana, um, Chicago, Blood, Sweat and Tears, The Temptations, you know, all these were just coming at me, uh, you know, when I was sort of learning music and growing up. So uh, that's one of the things I always recommend is that uh, students learn, um, you know, just different as many different types of music as possible.
0: Do you believe in the cycles of life and rebirth, Uh, you know, in terms of uh, many musical masterpieces that you see when you look back upon your work and your life in general? uh, There are certain landmarks or milestones that you've been trying to reach out to or have been able to achieve Uh, total surrender to the process of music as a whole. Uh, How does it work for someone like you?
1: wow <laughs> that's a very uh, that's a very good question and thank you because for me i think i think music is is we're speaking the language of god you know it's it's a very spiritual journey um mm-hmm. and so you you're having all the things that that are coming through you environmentally spiritually physically um and i think one of the per, one of the people that i I've really seen that happen is is being in the studio with Stevie Wonder, where he sits down and I've never seen music flow through a person so uh, miraculously, you know, where <laughs> it's just coming from a higher source and power and being transmitted through through the through the human experience, you know, and and it's 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 something that i've I've always like when I sit down and play um. We were recording the song "Tears in Heaven," um, and I remember thinking, you know, this—I'm not playing the song; the song is playing me, you know. It, and the spirit of of what what's happening around you is, is sort of just coming through you. And I, and I like to try to just be as open as possible and and let let it come through me, you know, and, and be be sort of a vessel, you know. So um, it's a, it's a very mysterious uh, art where you know, sound doesn't, you, you can't touch it. You can't put your finger on it. You can't put it in a bottle, but, but it's the reverse. It touches you, you know? And then for me, that's always been a very uh, magical and mystical uh, observation about what you know, what music is all about and why, why do some people, you know, again, one note, Jimi Hendrix would just play one note and, and it's like you're just going, what just happened?
0: <laughs> you did mention spirituality or the word spiritual in, in a couple of occasions during our conversation. So I'd like to touch upon the spiritual aspect of music. Is it that certain traditions of music historically have been motivated by religious imperative? Right? So, in In my personal opinion, it has been more imitative and people have tried replicating them Then uh, it has been an expression of one's inner urges, anguish, thriving, or fulfillment. Could you throw some light on that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, where I started was, was in, the, in the Catholic Church. Uh, my brother Raymond, who's now a, a, a priest, actually a monsignor at a, a church in Washington, D.C. called St. Teresa of Avila, uh, and then my older brother, David, uh, played guitar and then my friends played. So we we started in the church with folk masses and we we would before the service began, we would get together at the house and write music that would correspond to the liturgy. was that was going to be used that particular day. Um, and we create songs. That were. Definitely about the spiritual message that was going to be conveyed, and so that's sort of my entry into music. And then I felt like, um, you know, from the very beginning, it was a it was a spiritual experience. And um, um, to this day, I sort of approach it um, from first of all, I feel like it's a blessing and an opportunity just just to play, you know. And uh, that's where I first picked up my first bass. I feel like. Um, I feel like the bass discovered me. There was just a bass on the altar and uh, sitting there. And this was before I was was playing. And I just asked, who's is this? Nobody knew, knew whose it was. And, and I just would be okay to pick it up and start playing. Yep. So when I picked it up, that's when I felt some very uh, high kind of spiritual energy coming through me. That, oh, wait a second. I feel like this is something that I, I'm familiar with already. So. It, it, it to this day music has a very spiritual uh uh meaning to me
0: lovely that being said do you do you have a sense of God or eternal presence? Does it have a particular form
1: oh yes i mean and and I think it's easy for people to get hung up on what you call it or <laughs> but for me yes i I feel like like. It's a gift from God. Uh, I start each day and end each day with with prayers um, of thanks, and um, you know I always ask for guidance and protection and direction, and and I feel like you know every everything we do is is directed by God, you know? and all of our experiences, experiences, be they good, be they bad, it's it's all part of uh, part of what I think we're meant to go through in this life.
0: Yes, that's quite a lovely take, you know. This yeah. this entire uh, ideology that that you put forth.
1: Thank you, and I and I feel that music becomes a reflection of of that, and um, that's one of the things I'm so grateful for uh, about being a musician is that it's it's accessible to me to be able to um, express. Through music, what's going on, what's going on in my life?:
0: In terms of developing a particular musical style, people have described your music as something that universally resonates and your music is universally accessible to people from different continents. Uh, in what ways, during your working span, have you felt that your musicality had particularly evolved? You know
1: Early on, I mean, I started playing at, at age 14, but, you know, when I was 16, I was on stage at Madison Square Garden with Barry White, you know, playing. And so I feel like I just got, you know, I, I got blessed from the beginning to to be thrust into uh, the real world where it was already developed. He, he was a, uh, a very popular artist, filling arenas uh, around the country. And so to, you know, be sit there, put on a tuxedo, play with the Love Unlimited Orchestra to, you know, a packed arena at, at age 16. I felt like, you know, this is kind of first it, it was very cool. And 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 I realized that this is something that I want to do. I want to pursue and continue to do. So um, from there, just get, continue to try to develop your art and your craft and and um, and your gift.
0: Uh, is there a feeling of insecurity somewhere? Uh, you know, of course. In in every artist, uh, they want to seek some sort of affirmation at the end of the day. Uh, do you have something like that?
1: You know, but because of the human experience, we're you know, yeah, it's 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 natural to for for doubt and insecurity to come to enter. And I think what we do is just. Go with that as is, is yet another emotion that that we let let ourselves deal with and and try to um, try to make so that we feel secure in, in a situation. And it's uh, for me, it's has to do with your relationship with with life in general, but then uh, your relationship with your instrument and your relationship with, with the music that you're creating.
0: You have. Uh... You have contributed to over 2,000 uh, possible albums uh, in your in your entire career, and you have more go- ongoing for the next couple of years, uh, I'm sure. What, what dream or aspiration have you set for yourself now, or or is it is it just going to be an going to be a never-ending ongoing process?
1: Well, what, what, one of my prayers is that that it never ends <laughs> because <laughs> I enjoy it so much. So. I, I always, you know, am grateful that it continues. This is this is more than my fourth decade of of actually making music for a living and uh, continuing to work. And I, and I'm always grateful for for every every job that I have and and every opportunity to share this uh, what I do. Um, and it's uh it's just one of those things that I feel like you know. There's always something that, being guided to do. Uh, one of the next things I want to do that that I haven't done is is make make a record with my son Noah, who uh, love his playing. He's, he's he's turned into a wonderful pianist, and and he took up. We got him a Hammond organ that, uh, a while back. Wow. He said if he he said if you if you were to give me one gift for the rest of my life, it would be a Hammond organ, and, and I would be done. <laughs> And I thought, wow, he he was that passionate about that. and so we got him a Mohammed organ, and uh, it's in the living room. And one of the things we love to do most is play and and for me, playing with my son is the epitome of the spirit of of what I do. You know, we we're in there sometimes three, four o'clock in the morning. Um, and again, I feel the spirit of of the music coming through us, and it's something that is is very exciting to me, you know to to play. But the person that you you know not too long ago you were changing uh, diapers mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and, and driving around and now this person is has the awareness to, to have a musical conversation with you that really again uh, penetrates your heart and um, so this is something that that I really look forward to doing um, and and going out and, and performing with him uh, just because it's something I've never done mm-hmm. uh, and like a new a, a new experience for me that I thoroughly enjoy.
0: I loved, I loved your collaboration with Noah on the reverence album. You guys put out a song together. It was really nice. Uh, thank,
1: thank you. Yeah. He, he guessed it on both my albums. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the reverence song that it, I believe it was over the rainbow that we recorded yes. together. And uh, it was the, the Beatles song yesterday that we did on the first album. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very, um, first of all it was it was great our our producer chris Jiro, that he said, "Have no say, are you ready, Dad?" <laughs> you know <laughs> Now, you know uh, uh we recorded it as yeah I think he was thirteen when we recorded the first so he had this little voice, "Are you ready, Dad? you know then the next time he uh he did it, his voice was a little deeper, and uh, when we make our album, I think we'll have to start with the same thing and and his voice will be a lot deeper, <laughs> but uh yeah, definitely uh. Definitely having a, a a great time together, and and I feel it's just a a, a real privilege to, to to make music with him.
0: So, is is he also going to pursue music full time?
1: You know, I I believe he just graduated from the House uh, School of Business in U C yeah. Berkeley, mm-hmm. and so he he does have that um, uh, again that area of. Ex- Exposure, Uh, but but I can tell, I can tell when we play together too that his heart, his heart is really in music as well.
0: Incredible! We're really looking forward to hear a lot, lot more of uh, collaborations between the two of y'all. I'm sure it's going to sound sound, uh, incredible. And he he also has a lot of pressure. I'm guessing you know to carry forward this entire musical heritage to the next couple of generations. There's a lot. That he has to carry forward
1: well, i mean, uh he's, the way he's handling it uh, i I enjoy as well because he he doesn't he just enjoys playing and and you know so just that spirit alone for mm-hmm. me is like there's no pressure, uh it's just, wow, this is so much fun, you know and and mm-hmm. uh when when we play, it's just so much fun like when i'm when I'm thinking of a chord. Potential chord, like, then, then you hear it. It just is one of the most magical things.
0: Abhi. Your life seems to have this incredible quality of flow, surrender, and harmonizing with that flow. Have you ever doubted what you were doing as to its value or meaning? Have you ever asked yourself that question?
1: You know, it, it's not not a lot because the the value or meaning it changes it's it changes like a stock <laughs> you know like one day it's up one day it's down and and I I don't feel like I'm the judge of of what the value or meaning is I I feel like instead of being the judge or judging the work I just do the work and um the chips will fall where they where they may it's not it's not up to me to figure out um value to put on this after you know but while i'm making it uh my my value and my focus is the standard and and this uh, the the high standard of the, i hope this is good enough you know and yep. and uh, and so that's 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 my focus normally and and uh again it's it's a lifelong mission where you you never really you never really crack it you're always you know you're always trying to uh even even what you put put it down you know it's like my thought is is how can i make it better is there another level that i can take this to which there always is
0: do you think it's necessary useful or important to be a great soul in order to make good music right uh, so there is this whole idea of a great human being carrying some amount of virtue so is virtue a necessary component to being a great artist,
1: well, I would say a lot of my favorite artists seem to to be great souls. Of one of the first influences in in my life was uh, Wes Montgomery. Mm-hmm. You listen to his music and and his choice of notes. I mean, I although I never had a chance to meet him or hear him in person, but uh, I have to I have to believe that he's probably one of the greatest souls. You know. Ever because just because of uh this this beautiful music.
0: Got it. So I'm gonna take you to a slightly interesting segment of our interview, which is called Turn It Up, uh, which is brought to you by hashtag magazine. And and the interesting part about this segment is I'm gonna ask you very concise questions, very simple to answer, and you can be very spontaneous with your answers. It's gonna be more of a fun round. Okay. All right first question okay. first question for you Nathan uh, what is that one song that always makes you cry
1: oh wow <laughs> um, there was a song that uh it's by Algero. it it's called After All and oh, whatever wow. it's just really one of those that just uh you know just gets tugs at the heartstrings uh but more recently, at my, uh, my son and daughter just graduated. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the pomp and circumstance started to play, I cried like a baby every time. You know? <laughs> and there's something about that song and the form and the chords that, that just brings tears to my eyes every time. You know? and, and, and I think it's the association with uh, a level of completion that took so much time and energy and effort and they finally did it, you know. And as they're walking across the as they're walking across the stage at this university that that is so difficult to even get into and, and then even more difficult to get out of, <laughs> you just feel a, a sense of relief and accomplishment. And, and it, it never failed. They for both their graduation ceremonies and, and I I went to about three. Um and you know, as soon as the songs start playing, I just couldn't stop crying. <laughs>
0: on the contrary what is your favorite guilty pleasure song
1: <laughs> well you know anything by stevie wonder <laughs> you know <laughs> like the we were we were we were out last night and and as soon as superstitious starts playing you know everybody in the room is just dancing to the yeah. unconsciously you know yeah. and uh you know uh, i enjoyed we we played a song called "Get Lucky" with Daft Punk, yeah. And there was something about that song that even in the studio, uh, on playback, everybody in the studio was dancing, you know. And and that that to me was the first indication. You never know what a song's going to do, but that was one of my first uh, indications that this song this might be a this might be a hit song. <laughs>
0: and I'm sure you know what they look like <laughs> because we've just seen we've just seen seen those fancy helmets on. <laughs>
1: yeah i was i was uh i almost you know posted something uh, and when we were- we took pictures in the studio and as a that's why i click, they said oh no don't post nobody knows what we look like you know so they yeah. they saved me from uh, the embarrassment of of letting the secret out but uh yeah was good good times good fun and 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 again there was lots of just lots of energy in the studio that that i felt like Wow, if this if this song is heard by the world, I have a feeling it will resonate with a lot of people.
0: Got it. If you had to put together an all star Motown or an R and B band together, who'd be in it?
1: Wow, <laughs> that's an amazing question. Well, first of all, I and I was just with uh, with Ray Parker Jr. last night, and we were talking oh, wow. about okay. uh, Nile Rodgers. You know, they they both revere each other. You know, but I think if you had if you had Nile Rodgers and Ray Parker Jr. on guitar, it would be, first of all, as funky as it gets. <laughs> those two guys are, uh, and, and, and there's many guys, you know, Paul Jackson Jr., but between those two guys, it really is, uh, you know, uh, there's not too much funk left <laughs> to put on the table. And then Greg Fillingate, you know, who yeah. he can play anything, uh, is the best of the best of the best um is amazing. Uh, you know, we lost Ricky Lawson on drums, but we had so much fun playing together. He's on my first album. Uh, and you know, he he was one of the funkiest drummers, you know, of course, Steve Ferroni. And, um I'm I'm blessed to play with a lot of great drummers, but I think, you know, if I if I had Ricky Lawson in there, uh it would be amazing. And then that that would be the, the core of the rhythm section.
0: And who'd be on vocals and and the bass?
1: <laughs> wow, I mean, you know, when when I play, I always say, "What would James Jamerson do?" You know, so <laughs> like James Jamerson would have to be on bass because he's the genius that that I think. Uh, I think every bass player, you know, when they when they approach it, they say, "What would James Jamerson do?" You know, just just the genius of the bass, and and uh, you know, then of course you have you have all the vocals. I mean Aretha Whitney Houston and and you know I can I can't believe these these beautiful singers are no longer with us but they they literally you know just could sing anything and um c- of course Ray Charles you know you'd have to have him on vocals <laughs> and um yeah it, it would be it would it would be a lot of fun
0: That's going to sound massive <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite cuisine
1: Ooh, I love uh, I love sushi, mm-hmm. but but I I do love Italian food, Mexican food. I mean, uh, Thai food. You know, I'm I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, but you know, sometimes when I can't when I can't choose, I I my go-to is sushi.
0: Have you ever tried Indian food?
1: What am I saying? I Indian food. Matter of fact. When we used to go to London, that's all we would eat is Indian food. Back in the, the mid-80s, they're the best mm-hmm. Indian restaurants ever. And um, and although I've never been to India, mm-hmm. uh, I absolutely love Indian food. My, my son's roommate, uh, his mom makes some of the most amazing in, Indian food. They're, they're, they're from India. And, uh, you know, whenever we, can, uh, whenever we can get over there, we, we do
0: when are you when are you coming we're really looking forward to see you all in india <laughs> when is that going to happen
1: india, india has been on my bucket list for so many years and um i can't wait to get there and, and i'm looking forward to it. i mean it's one one of the only places on the planet that i've never been and uh so maybe we have to figure something out with
0: totally yeah, totally when i'd be yeah. i'd be happy to host you and show you around different parts of india and uh, I, I also also also, make you taste uh, one of my favorite dishes in India, which is called Tair Sadam, which is a yogurt meat, rice preparation. you know, It blends in together, and that's my favorite dish of all time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow, really? Yeah, wow, amazing. Well, uh, well, I-, I can't wait because um, uh, you between all the spices that, that you guys use, and, and uh, it's incredible.
0: Uh, w- since we have a lot of fans uh, tuning in from different parts of the world, uh, they are interested in knowing the top five anecdotes from your touring experiences with all the greats that you've played. Maybe the top five highlights that you can remember in terms of some stories that you'd like to share with the fans out here?
1: Right. Uh, one one mo- of the most recent ones was um, the inauguration of President Barack Obama we mm-hmm. played on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Wow. Um, there were literally two million people uh, mm-hmm. in front of the, the, you know, Lincoln Memorial on the Mall there. And uh, this was two thousand nine January. It was very cold, but uh, very historic occasion. I'll never forget. I had my my grandparents' picture on my music stand and my parents' picture because they weren't mm-hmm. alive to see the first black president. But um, you know, it, it was Stevie Wonder, Bono. Bruce Springsteen, James Taylor—you know, like almost the entire music industry was on stage, and uh, we were all very excited uh, at this this momentous occasion. That that sticks out as one. I've played for um, a a rally in the Superdome in New Orleans with Pope John Paul II. Wow! (laughs) Again, when he came around in the Pope Mobile and and gave his blessing. It was a very emotional uh, time, and um, again, the the spirit that filled the room was was very magical. Uh, one of the times that I played at the Royal Albert Hall, and and there's been many over a hundred, um, but it was the Queen of England and Nelson Mandela sitting in the in the mm-hmm. box in the royal box, <laughs> and and that's a pretty pretty incredible audience. And then we got we got to meet them afterwards. Uh, we did many concerts for the Princess Trust. Uh, where we would we would meet uh, princess Diane and and Prince Charles afterwards and and that was good fun um, and then I you know I've played for uh, at least three inaugurations um, and and so those others have been great and then another really special occasion was playing for Rock and Rio. Um, it was in the eighties, and that was the first time I had ever played for a quarter million people. Um, so like shoulder to shoulder, as far as the eye can see to the left, to the right and and beyond and singing at the top of their lungs. you know, It was just very like I've never seen anything like that, you know, and then it was uh, extremely magical.
0: Lovely. I have so one. A, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, please, please go on.
1: No, I, I was just there have been many that still to this day that just uh, monumental.
0: Got it. Got it. I have one last question for you, which is a uh, custom in all of my interviewers. And I ask all my guests this this very question. Uh, down in the distant horizon, what would you want to be remembered as?
1: Wow. You know, it, it, it's hard to look that far ahead sometimes. and And whenever I think what I want to be remembered as, I just try to be that person today, so that not only is it something you remember, but some something that I can uh, appreciate today. And then, and so for me, I just you know hope that people remember or, or may acknowledge, oh, oh, he left some good notes with us, you know, uh, from the from the bottom end, and and also um, you know hopefully that just ex- experience some kindness and and um. um you know generosity from from my heart you know and, and i hope uh, i think every parent hopes that they they did a good job you know and so i hope uh, i be remembered as a good parent as a good husband as a good friend brother and um and you know those things Marvelous. very simple
0: Marvelous. before we conclude this this interview will also be aired on Big FM, Shillong, and Azol, two incredible radio stations in, uh, in, in the northeastern part of our country, which caters to English music. And it is also going to be part of my all-new audio podcast, which is called Stalwarts of Music with Aditya Veera, which will be on Apple Podcasts and YouTube and a lot of other platforms like Spotify, which is which is going to be upcoming in the next couple of days. So I'll be sure to share the link with you, and you can you can feel free to share it along with your fans.
1: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I look, I look forward to that. And uh, well, it's it's a pleasure uh, speaking with you, and I hope uh, the opportunity to come to India uh, presents itself at some point because I really look forward. And I can only imagine. Also, there's probably some good uh, chicken tikka masala. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Likewise, likewise, you know, it'd be a dream come true for a lot of us who've uh, only seen you guys on uh, television uh, or or on popular uh, press. You know, we've never had the chance to see you live in our country, but we really look forward to that in the next couple of months. And and cheers to celebrating yeah. a lifetime of timeless musical masterpieces that you've put out with all these incredible musicians and inspiring me to explore music from the West when I was a little boy. Thank you for that, Nathan. Wow.
1: It's a pleasure and an honor.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for the privilege. I hope to stay in touch with you and and share a lot of music from India as well. And and we're really hoping to see you in India very soon.
1: It would be a pleasure and an honor.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And have a great day ahead.
1: And you. Namaste.
0: Thank you, Nathan. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.